Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the GameDev.TV Community Podcast. I'm your host KB, and this podcast brings you the audio experience of GameDev.TV. Now, let's get right into the podcast. So exciting. Guys, question. Uh, were you super ambitious or did you add stretch goals when you saw it was surpre- <laughs> surpassing the expectations? We've always known the community has wanted us to make Cyber Nights for a long time. So, and we had our last Kickstarter raised 50 grand. We wanted to make sure that we had a reasonable goal. Um, but mm-hmm. that it also left us room to dream bigger. So, yeah, I think we're ambitious. We're going to roll out an update of stretch goals this evening that go cool. up to 350. So, that is probably, you know, maybe beyond what we can do, but we think we're going to have a, a pretty exciting last week. So we want to share uh, the full vision that we had, even if we may not be able to afford that that much crazy. I think Kickstarter is one of those things where you sort of have to have high hopes. Yes, of course. If you if you don't have that kind of mindset, you can end up surprised. And we've all seen campaigns that had to come up with their stretch goals on the fly or didn't have a plan for what they were going to do with the extra funding. And that mm-hmm. that makes backers nervous. They want to see confidence. They want to see yes. commitment to like the plan. They want to feel like you know what's going to happen if it blows up. And we had a good first sure. week. I wouldn't say that we, you know, we're not you know, we're not Owlcat or Path of the Righteous, yeah. Wrath of the Righteous or whatever, but we had a really good week. We outperformed our last Kickstarter, um, and we were really excited to share the stretch goals with the community. We've been planning them for a while. We're hoping we would get to them, trying not to get our expectations up. But mm-hmm. yeah, they they made what's like one hundred fifty thousand now. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. We passed the Skyrise uh, stretch goal earlier this morning. Had some backers up their pledges and get in on some of the higher tiers and got across the the line. That's yeah, to, to, to be fair, like uh, also having stretch goals helps. Like, because yeah, you reach 50k, then oh, why would I back? It? Yeah, absolutely. What am what's motivating me to back it other than you know I can buy it. You know, they know Just us. Just wait and buy the game. game yeah. They can buy it. I think it also is you know as we said the community has wanted this for a long time. So we've been talking to people for coming up on 10 years about what Cyber Nights Two could look like. And so those stretch goals are sort of a manifestation of our dreams and their dreams put together. Like the 200K one for the MK2 Mark II hacking is, you know, that's something we've been talking about with people for a really long time. We know it's it's expensive, but we really want to get there. Uh, so, you know, as you said, it gives you past that. Why would I back this? And people are looking and say, oh, man, we have wanted that for a long time. Let's do it together beyond the core experience that we're already going to deliver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, for everybody who probably doesn't remember, but you guys are Corey and Andrew, the Trissy brothers, right? That's correct. As you guys, and you guys have been released the Kickstarter this month called Cyber Knights Flashpoint, and it yep. got funded in twelve hours, which is insane. And it, it ends March fifth. Mm-hmm. Evening yep. of March. So, 5th. go check it out. Go back it, and the numbers keep growing, and it's just it's amazing. Thanks for coming back on and talk all about it. Yeah, our pleasure. We're uh, we're excited to talk about it, and we had a great time the last time we came on, so we were happy to see uh, another invite from you guys. Yeah, no problem. 
And I was really interested because I saw on Twitter you're posting a lot of uh, posts about like marketing and testing different photos and all that stuff. And I like to uh-huh. go into depth and all that. Absolutely. Um, did you have any specific questions or you just want us to give kind of an overview of what our strategy has been thus far? We can go into an overview, but at first I was just wondering, how did you guys plan which, like how to do the whole, like let's say like a week. Are you going to plan to put certain photos out each day or each week? Well, we started with kind of a broad collection of photos, right? So we mm-hmm. worked with our art team and we knew going into the campaign we had, was it 30 or so images? We had this kind of library but we didn't really know what was going to hit with the audience. We'd shown it to our community and kind of had their feedback, but we didn't really know what was going to work in an advertising perspective. So mm-hmm. we went in with a lot of options and then started really carefully trying to get information about how they were performing on the different ad networks. Because it's interesting, like what works on Facebook doesn't work on Reddit. And mm-hmm. what works on mm-hmm. Reddit doesn't work on BoardGameGeek. Oh yeah, I haven't even heard of Board Game Geek. But um, Same. have you guys tried any new social media like TikTok or LinkedIn? No, no. <laughs> we we have uh, we've adver- advertised on some new networks like Board Game Geek is actually new for us. Okay. Um, we're on KickTrack, which is a kind of a Kickstarter focused uh, news site. Um, but in terms of new social media, we stuck to what we know because advertising dollars can go down the tubes really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you can spend a lot of money and get very little return if you uh, aren't really hitting what that platform wants. So I would say I'm not a TikTok user much. I like funny mm-hmm. videos, but I don't know how to make Cyber Nights funny and make it a mm-hmm. big hit on TikTok. So we focused on platforms we use or then mm-hmm. we've advertised on the past and we have a community on because that's a big part of being able to craft an audience that works. So Facebook is very built around building an audience off a community of people that already like something or like an interest. Um, and Reddit is a set of subreddits and we're active there and we have an idea of how to how to get to the people on those platforms that are gonna like what we're offering, so. And I think there's, a, there's an inherent challenge with influencer marketing and Kickstarters. Because you're really like if you're talking to a kick like a, an influencer on TikTok who maybe promotes video games, they're really looking at games that their audience can play right now. Mm. They want they want to do this video that's funny, like look at me land this headshot or this crazy flying, you know, no scope shot or whatever, and they want their fans to click that link and play the game. Kickstarter's weird because they can't play. So that influencer has to be like, I promise these dudes are cool. <laughs> and then hope that we don't, you know, screw it up down the road yeah. and make them look bad. So we haven't done a lot of TikTok influencer marketing in the past. So we were kind of in a, a tough position with some of those new social networks where we don't have a reputation with the influencers. So it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to get in. We've had some good success on Twitch, uh, Twitch, Twitter, Reddit. I have all been really good social networks for us to date. Um, But as we go into this next game, we will be looking. Like, I think all developers have to stay on top of trends. TikTok's huge. You know, Mm -hmm. LinkedIn is really good for finding collaborators. Um, So there's, you know, it's always changing, and you have to to keep on top of it. You can't just say, like, Twitch is going to be the best streaming platform forever, so we're just going to focus on that because it might not be. Yeah. 
No, I agree. You, you could put all your effort into TikTok, and then tomorrow just it's gone. And you're like, well, what was the point of that? Yeah, or like invest in a, an influencer, and then he does something and loses all his fame. Yeah, or in a, in a maybe a little more mundane scenario, you dump three grand into a an ad network and you get fifteen dollars in pledges out of it. You know, with with referral codes in the internet, you can see that's one of the things Corey was saying. We started with thirty images. We're watching which of these images get clicks, which of those clicks turn into backers who are actually interested. You know, they did they see the image, recognize it as something they were interested in, and then when they got to the Kickstarter, did they really say, that's what I thought I clicked on, and therefore I want to back this Kickstarter? Or did they get there and say, oh, this Kickstarter isn't what I thought I was clicking on, I'm not gonna pledge. So, you know, for us, I know that a 150 grand on a Kickstarter is a a big success for us, but we have to be careful in the ad dollars we spend because it would be very easy to, you know, advertising can be super expensive. You can we spend $50,000. Yeah, we so could blow fast. through that whole budget trying to mm -hmm. get more clicks and more backers and come up with nothing or very little, like a, a tiny, you know, 10% of your return or something. So, um, and Kickstarters do this. There are Kickstarters on the platform that have had this problem where they're like, we raised $600,000, but we spent. Four hundred thousand dollars on ads to raise this. So that's rough. You know, you're you have to you really have to keep in mind. Like, we want to find backers, we want to find influencers, we want to get the word out, but we can't spend too much of this money because this money's for the video game. So yeah. there's kind of this this you know push and pull, which comes back to we had the images and then we're staying super on top of it, like image by image, percent by percent. What is their click-through rate? How are they performing? Um, and I think sometimes it, people forget this, that like you really need to cycle, you need to cycle your ad content, even as an indie, right? People see stuff for a week, they're done looking at it. Like on Reddit, that ad's been on there for a week, your click rate starts to really fall off and you've got to get new stuff, new art, new copy to get new clicks. Mm -hmm. Now I'm curious, do you guys have like a team doing the marketing or is it just one person and do you guys strategize like say like a month we're going to do this, this and that and then you go out there and execute on all the marketing plans? For uh, this Kickstarter, it's a bit of a, there's a couple of different people working on it. Um, we had a PR team that helped us do an official press push, um, but uh, we're running internally uh, the actual advertising on most of the platforms. We have some help with the Facebook platform mm -hmm. um, specifically, uh, but it's mostly us. I think we've actually been kind of kicking ourselves to be completely frank over the last week that we didn't get more help up front because uh, you always, you know, it's been five years since we ran a Kickstarter and we kind of forgot exactly how exhausting and busy and nonstop 24 seven this is. And to, you know, to have to make hours every day to look at your ads and watch the numbers and make sure that you're cycling and rewriting the ad that didn't work as well as the last one is it's uh, we wish we had some we had gotten a little bit more ahead of it and weren't doing it ourselves. But so we worked with a, a PR firm called Novi Unlimited. Uh, we've worked with them on game launches. They did a really good job for Star Traders. And so they managed the press release and the press push for this. We got pretty good pickup. Um, and then we're working with a company called BackerKit, which does like Kickstarter fulfillment. And they've recently added a launch service 
that helps people like Andrew and I get our campaign out to their uh, their like list of backers. So backer kit's been a big part of our advertising push as well. That's probably I would say the one that we're not doing ourselves. Yeah, that's the Facebook one we're not the doing. Facebook yeah. ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And which one is performing the best? Which social media? Uh, it's Backer Kit, so Backer Kit's Facebook. Now, Backer Kit's special because they have this Facebook audience that's like all people that love Kickstarters. Mm, okay. So, like, they've got this mailing list that's like people that back the crap out of Kickstarters. And they can be like, hey, Kickstarter lovers, here's, you know, the your Kickstarter. Thing, yeah. The new mm-hmm. Kickstarter you're going to love. Here's the art. And we wrote the copy because we know what you Kickstarter lovers love to read. So they've been really effective. I think compared to Star Traders Frontiers, we're doing about 10 times better on Reddit with our ads than we did on the last game. So we learned a lot. Our art's better. That helps a lot. Visuals in your ads is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does the marketing strategy work for Reddit? Because I'm, I'm kind of iffy on that one. So uh, there's two ways you can do uh reddit marketing right there's organic where you post something or someone else posts something and it gets upvoted and then there's paid paid you can either write a new post and pay to have it placed in certain subreddits or you can promote a post that did really well so sometimes we have amas like ask me anything's on there that get some traffic so you can spend a little bit of money to kind of push that into a couple of different clicks and maybe get some more questions and some more interested people. And then okay. there's stuff where you can just write a whole new Reddit post like Tracy Brothers, the makers of Star Traders, is having a Kickstarter. It's Cyberpunk XCOM, turn-based and available for PC. Click here. Mm-hmm. And then you can just pick which subreddits you want that to go into, you know. PC gaming, games. If you're feeling spicy, maybe Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, So you can pick those different subreddits and then look at the performance. Like, oh, people in this games thing, they don't like it. It's too general. So we Mm -hmm. turn that ad off. Okay. I I see you're touching on metrics a lot. I, I believe that's something people tend to forget. Like, they think they just throw money at something and yeah, people will see your game, but it has to be the right people. Yeah, I think it has to be the right people is absolutely the thing. And it, you know, uh, it's easy to miss. There's a lot of work to do in the internet and the, the internet of all of these sites to connect them all. We've got Google Analytics plugged into Kickstarter and all of these different backends are reporting different sets of numbers and Kickstarter has numbers. You know, you really have to spend a lot of time digging through a lot of data but there's so much data and uh you it would be a big mistake not to look at it because then yeah you're just kind of closing your eyes and like throwing money at the tube because i mean there were we had some reddit ads that were getting 0.001 percent engagement so like if you showed it to a million people i think 10 people would have clicked on it so you know and if you ran that ad for the whole 30 you would have spent all this money on bad images and bad copy. So, you know, we wrote all these ads at the beginning and we ran them and about half of them were just off, like total waste of money. You spent $10 per ad and you were like, okay, that got us negative money. Great. Uh, And you, you know, if you don't look at the analytics, if you just look at the Kickstarter side, you're like, hey, our ads are working. 
but you have 30 ads, five of them are working, 25 of them are not, and mm-hmm. you'll get really improved performance if you just turn the 25 bad ones off and focus on what is it about these five that's awesome. People love these the, the images of this, but they hate this. Right, because then in a week or in a few days, you need to update. You have to be like, oh, we, for example, really specific example, we found that on Reddit, a picture of four characters standing side by side with the logo splashed over the top around their feet was re- that was a very successful setup. You get to see four cool looking characters in cyberpunk outfits and you had a, some text written with it that worked really well. And so, you know, for the first week you have these four characters and you identify that as a format that works. So the next week we're putting together the next four characters and trying again with that but you can't even though that was the best ad in the first week a week later it's run out of gas and everybody's on that subreddit has seen it and you're not getting new clicks out of this you know out of the community so you've got to find a way to to kind of look at what worked and say why did it work and then try to replicate that in a new ad that catches eyeballs in a different way so part of it like is similar to how you optimize a steam page because okay. a Steam page, you you only have a very short amount of time for the user to decide, is this the game I'm looking for, right? And so we want to tell people, like, our game is XCOM with Cyberpunk, right? We want to mm-hmm. wear that on our sleeve because people that come looking for that kind of game are going to like it. And people that aren't are just going to go on or they're not going to click the ad. But if you say something like, amazing 3D adventure game, a ton of people are going to be like, I like adventure games and 3D stuff's cool. They're going to click on it and they're going to find our game and they're going to go, this isn't what I wanted, next. Yeah. So then you've wasted that money. So you want the image to draw them in and then you want the ad to be like, this isn't for you, right? So you say like, you Cuts like these four characters, but you don't like XCOM. So don't click this because it's XCOM. So if you put that, you know, you put that up front, like you said, you know, you can filter out some of those uninterested people. Uh, you can kind of get the quality of your traffic up. Mm-hmm. Aren't they called, like, negative keywords? You pick words that, like, you, if people look it up, they say, nope, not for them. And then you get good keywords where people who are looking for this will get it. And that's why it's always be very specific. Because, for instance, somebody wants to buy peanut butter, but they want organic. Or they don't want organic, then you take away, you put it organic and say, if anybody looking for organic, they're not my peanut butter. And then they'll show yeah. the other peanut butter. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's exactly that's that's so well put because the people that want organic peanut butter do not want the other peanut butter. No matter mm-hmm. how much you advertise it to them, they want the organic peanut butter. That's exactly. what they're shopping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I see that is a big problem on Facebook overall. Like, I get a ton of random ads that make no sense. <laughs> then I, I I click on that button that says, "Why am I seeing this?" And it's like advertising for like, oh. 18 male. to 45 year old male on earth living on in europe earth. yeah <laughs> yeah like yeah okay that's like <laughs> five billion different tastes okay <laughs> yeah exactly i mean and those are people with deep pockets right they're like i don't care show it to all the dudes if there's Just a guy on facebook show him his image see if he likes it we don't have that kind of money so we've got to get real specific and be like you like Steam and XCOM and Cyberpunk and Kickstarter and Kickstarter. Let's maybe show you this image because we don't have, you know, you would spend all the money 
immediately, if you're like, show it to everyone on earth, Facebook would be like, and we're done. I'll take another 10 grand. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, hold on. And that's something yeah. that you have to be very careful with as well. Uh, we haven't learned this lesson on Kickstarters, but we've had the problem before. These ad networks are very automated. And if you forget like to put in a daily budget or you, you know, one accidental click 12 hours later, it spent two grand and you're like, whoa, wait, 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 wait. what? what? <laughs> What's happening? Can I have that money back, please? Yeah, you're like, and then the worst part is you spend that money and it did nothing for you. And you're like, yeah, oh, come on. Two grand, yeah. zero clicks. You're like, what nice. happened? Nice. Oh, I got to select the custom audience and I forgot to put the daily budget on. Yeah. I, I do think, you know, it's it from even from the last time we did Kickstarter, there is has been a very marked improvement in our in your ability to track a customer from see, getting an impression to a click to a conversion to a backer. So, uh, I mean, you can now really see maybe a few years ago it wasn't so obvious, but now it's real obvious. You spend that two grand, you can say, well, we got fifteen dollars. We got one backer at the lowest tier. That was painful. That hurt. Yeah. yeah. Make sure you yeah. set the daily budget. You know, we didn't have that problem this time around. We've learned that lesson the very hard way. But um, yeah, there's a lot of data. So you got to you have to use it and be agile and nimble because, as Corey said, we just don't. We have a very small budget for this. So and we can't spend it on advertising. We need to spend it on the game. And I think it's really important. Like if you're thinking about running a Kickstarter, be blunt with people that contact you because they're going to come out of the woodwork like i can advertise your game oh i can do this wow. i can do that and if you have a hundred dollar budget just tell them you have a hundred dollar budget don't get into some long-winded crap with them and then they're going to tell you after three days of talking that they want five grand just to try out if their ad stuff's going to work they see that all have, the time you know you yeah. say look i got a hundred bucks if you can do something with that let's talk if you can't scam the next person Cause I, mm -hmm. I don't have time. So it's, it's really interesting because like Andrew said, the attribution of clicks is getting better and better. And the number of people out there that think they can get you Kickstarter traffic is going up and up and up and up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Social media marketing agencies everywhere. Yeah. Man, you get so <laughs> many people that have contacted it. Like as soon as a Kickstarter starts, your inbox just gets full of, not not people that say like I love you and your Kickstarter is awesome. Oh, they do. But, they always say that. They yeah. say I love you and your Kickstarter is awesome. Yeah. Looks so great. I can Give help me money. you. Yeah, I can help you. Money. I have some of that money. And then I they have go on and on and on and like, oh yeah, you, I have you got a ton of money. May yeah. I take some of that away from you? Yeah. Oh boy. So for aspiring, you know, indie developers and they're thinking about, hey, should I do a Kickstarter or not? Is it always going to be profitable? Is it always going to be a good idea? Just maybe go ahead and do their own marketing. Kickstarter is really hard because you can, uh, it can absolutely not succeed. I mean, the majority of Kickstarters don't. So I think uh, anybody thinking about it has to take a really serious, hard look. And I would say one of the things that we have done, which has been really helpful for us, is to do extensive market research on Kickstarter. We developed an, a very long list of campaigns we wanted to be like, campaigns that we thought were going to be better than we could be. Like this is way past our reach, but let's study them anyway. Campaigns we don't want to be like, um, campaigns that you know are in our zone but didn't do it right and they flopped or they couldn't meet their funding goal or they had to pull the plug halfway. And you can learn so much by going to look. 
um, and really spent, again, the data being king here, really getting into how other people have done. And I think uh, I would say it's also super easy to look at Kickstarter and kind of get uh, caught up in the hype that it is in a thing you can do and that you can fund and you can get all this money. Corey and I have been doing this for 10 years. We funded in 12 hours because we have a really strong community behind us of people who have been who we had been prepping and lining up our fans for six months uh, in a bit, you know, to make sure that on that first day we had a really big good day and it would it exceeded expectations and it was awesome. But if you don't have thousand like I don't know thousands of fans ready, don't expect things to go ballistic. So set a set a reasonable goal, mm-hmm. set a mm-hmm. low goal. And then use stretch goals to push it farther if you can. But I, I, we were just looking yesterday at a campaign. It's hard to see some of these developers that have had rough knocks on Kickstarters. The guy has come back for the third time to run a Kickstarter in 2020. He's going to be successful this time, but he ran it in 2018 and he failed. And he ran it in 2016 and he failed. And it's the same game. And each time he ran it, the, the goal got cut in half about. So, you know, that's a really, that's a hard story to look at, but you can go mm-hmm. find them on Kickstarter all over the place. So I would say if you're thinking about it, be really reasonable about your goal mm-hmm. um, and use stretch goals to say, if we can outdo this really reasonable goal, we can do something even cooler. Um, you don't want to, I think the biggest thing you could do wrong with a Kickstarter would be to have one that fails. Make sure you go on and have a successful one. Our first Kickstarter was twelve grand, and that was a heck of a fight to get we there. We barely funded it. Our last Kickstarter, like this one, Star Traders, funded way slower. Cybernites okay. funded in like twelve hours. Star Traders funded in what twenty nine days? Yeah. Like Damn. it was a, it was in the last day that it funded. So we were biting our nails grinding it out, writing personal emails to backers and friends and family. And it was not pretty. You know, there was a huge amount of like, are we going to make it? Mm -hmm. Will we finish, you know, will we finish funded? Or is this all going to be like wasted time and money? And that's the problem with Kickstarter. I think if you aren't, if you aren't realistic about it is it's a big gamble. You know, Andrew and I could have spent the time that we spent on the Kickstarter campaign on the game. Mm-hmm. So sure. you have to you have to be really realistic. Like, is this Kickstarter time? Is the months putting into this Kickstarter going to actually pay off for our community, or is it going to, you know, is it going to not be a net benefit for us? Also, remember, if you spend money on ads and you don't fund. Those ad networks will not refund you the money. So no, they won't. You could end up definitely in the red um, on a failed attempt. Like you've lost a significant amount of money, uh, and not not only money but time. Yeah, and your game hasn't gotten any progress. You know, there's there's a lot of risk. I think Kickstarter is really really exciting. It still has a huge draw for people who like Kickstarters. It's still a great way to raise money. Look at the games out there that are successful. But at the same time, I think people that are considering their first Kickstarter just have to be realistic and not get caught up yeah. in the, the Kingmakers and the wonderful 101s. Like You can't look at projects that have 100,000 fans to start with. We can't look at projects like that and say, like we want to be like this because it's you have to be realistic about your reach. 
you're going to get maybe 5% of your community to back your project. So if you know your community size, take 5% of it, take 10% of it and think about like how many people is that, is that really going to fund the game? Um, and I yes. think one of the big challenges is the real like first one is, is this your first video game that you're making as a studio? And if it is, Kickstarter's really hard. Unless you're like a rock star, right? Like if you're some famous person, sure. But if you're just like some developers and it's your first game and your first Kickstarter and nobody knows who you are, ooh, that's a tough, tough ask. Yeah. How many Kickstarters are there right now open? Well, Competing against you. I don't know. A, no, a lot. A lot. Yeah, exactly. Maybe yeah. thousands, yeah. In games, I'm not sure the actual numbers. That's a good question, but um, it's a lot. And there are yeah. new ones coming on every day. Yeah, and people like think of the success stories and the amazing fails, but they don't look at the regular fails, like the average dude. Mm -hmm. They think of stuff like, oh, Microsoft and Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. They did amazing, yeah, and they're like less than the 1% of yeah. people trying. I actually think it's a really, uh, you know, it's a message that works for Kickstarter, but I think it's a general message for developers. I think there's way too much. It's far too easy to think about the runaway successes, the viral hits, the the Flappy Birds, the I don't know, whatever. Your the iPhones, like I'm going to make the next iPhone, I'm going to make yeah. the next Windows, and I'm the next make office, this one like... game, and it's going to blow up so hard. It's like more likely you're going to make that next game, and a small number of people are going to download it, and you're going to have to start building a community. You're going to grind it out, you know. Like gonna, I don't know. That, that's at least our perspective, having done this for ten years without any viral mm -hmm. hits yet. That. Uh, 99.9% .9 of the games made or more are not viral hits, so you might want to make a plan. And that's not bad. That's not bad. Like no, you can like, you can have a lot of fun yeah. and build oh, yeah. a company on not viral hits. Yes. But yeah. you have to be ready. It's like a role playing game. There is a grind. You have to go. You have to kill rats for XP for some time until you can go. You know, you go to the next level. So yeah, I think for trolls, new, yeah, yeah, new yeah. developers, it's like maybe. Don't go to Kickstarter right away. Make a mm -hmm. game, have some fans, then go to Kickstarter. Um, and I think there's yeah. a role for publishers there as well. There's a lot of attention on indie games right now for publishers. And I think publishers play a really key role for people that have a good idea, skills, something cool they want to make, but don't have the traction, don't have the fan base yet to put it on Kickstarter. Yeah. Don't be afraid to go out there. Like, ask people. Want to play my game? Sure. Why yeah. not? That's what you're mostly going to hear. Yeah, that's Especially if it's started. a free demo. We got we got started. Yep, free demo. Exactly. Like just that way. Yeah. Yep. You know, and once people... I think it's a thing that people realize that they like your games and they want you to make more. And so they want to support you. And then when you come to that group of people, they're like, hey, I liked your early games. You're like, I want to make a better one. They're like, I love this idea. Like, how do I help? Yeah, gamers are very passionate. Aren't, yes, they are very passionate. And they are very supportive of the creators that they like. You can just look across the spectrum from mm -hmm. Twitch to Steam, you know, Mixer, whatever. Like, gamers will support financially the things they love. They will buy... 
They will buy subscriptions. They will buy copies of the game. They will buy merchandise. Gamers you can trust to support the things they love. Yeah. Like, I I, I pledge to a patron, like, that I don't even watch the extra content just because I like the regular content. Yep. That's awesome. Keeps it, keeps it going, man. That's awesome. Yep. Exactly right. Yeah. Patron's, also, another, patrons another great example for people that are, you know, out there making stuff uh, that really appeals to a certain audience. Mm-hmm. I'm a patron of a number of people that just do like Unity shader tutorials. And, you know, that's all they do. It's very niche, but because of their patron account like they're able to spend a bunch of time every week doing these tutorials and it's it's amazing um i think there's a lot of really cool ways to support creators out there today kickstarter is just one of them yeah it's also about treating your fans right too for instance like uh, cd project red they're killing it but you get like like bethesda where they're like charging a hundred dollars for an in-game subscription for a game that's already sixty dollars it's just like you start to lose the trust of people. They're like, I don't want to support it anymore. I love yeah. this, the company, but like, you've lost me. And you got to be careful with that when you have your community. You're like, oh, they're going to keep buying everything. It's like, yeah, if you make good stuff, you treat us like we actually care, like you care about us. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Like, gamers really spend money, but it's really easy for studios and big companies to get like complacent. Yeah, mm-hmm. gamers become haters so fast. <laughs> 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a that better. Like you yeah, stab them in the back once, and they're yeah, gonna, it's over. It's over. You, you make one Mass Effect Andromeda. <laughs> oh, ouch! Oh. Man, and that's the thing. Like gamers also have a very long memory, right? Yeah. Like they're still dragging people about games that came out seven years ago. You're like, I mean, we still mean about Half Life Three. Exactly. Right? That's what exactly what I was thinking of was Half-Life 3. You know, there's still, even today, it's had, I don't know how many sequels, like a handful of sequels. <laughs> we're still we're still dragging it on our Discord. Like, you're like, well, at least it's not as bad as this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think they're finally making something Half-Life, like Half-Life VR or something. Yeah, but it's not called Half-Life 3, so it doesn't count. No, no, it doesn't count. No, but you know no. that back, right? They're like, this is our, gr- this is if everything goes bad for Steam, like Epic Game Store is defeating us. They know they've got one trump card. They're like, we're gonna release Half Life Three. Everyone comes back. Steam like, exclusive. Yeah. yeah, Steam exclusive. Exactly. Did you guys throw a party when you got funded at the twelve hour? Uh. Well, we just wrote an update. <laughs> I think Andrew. I think we threw. I think we gave the art team. We gave them like a little yeah. party. So yeah, we didn't party. throw a party. We wrote updates, but the art team that that got us all the concept art and did all the hard work to you know get everything looking great. We uh, we took them out to dinner and drinks, and that nice. was that was really nice. They sent us some pictures of celebrations. Uh, yeah. We didn't get to attend, but it was still fun. We're all over the place, so I think everybody, you know, individually pops something. Mm -hmm. We'll raise a glass when it's when we're done and it's finished. Uh, But it is. Do another YouTube video when you guys finish the Kickstarter. I saw one about like the release of the Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah, I think we'll end up. We'll definitely be on Twitch uh, celebrating a, a good. I mean. It's hard to believe it's going to be a month and a few short days here. This has been a whirlwind. Uh, we'll definitely, I think we'll both be remote again, but we'll 
we'll get on Twitch and do it. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like uh, we love these podcasts because it's fun to talk to people about you know get your perspective and your questions. Sometimes on Twitch you're like high five. Like, yeah. Are you happy? I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually don't like Twitch because I I, I don't know I I have problems with live stuff. <laughs> I got spoiled by YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Production value is nice, you know, and uh, to have high production value, like high live production value on Twitch is real hard. Like you oh. watch the, some of the top streamers, they're putting a lot of time and money into that. So we've got our little our little overlay and our background image. And, um, but it is it's a fun way to connect with the community. People really like they really, I think, like to hear that you're happy as a as a Kickstarter creator, you know. You're putting out these stretch goals, and they want to know, like, hey, are you happy you funded? And you, you know, YouTube and Twitch are a great way to share your excitement and your honest joy about the project with your community. Yeah, that that's something I think has a lot to do with, like, company culture. Like, you see some companies that you don't feel like they care. And then people don't care back. <laughs> Yep. Like, I gave you money, but you don't care. Then why do I get to yeah. give you that money? Yeah. Yeah, I worked for that money. Come on. Like, what's the highest pledge you have? Uh, $5,000. Five, $5, That's a lot. Dang. Has anybody pledged? Yes. Yes. We have two, right. two of those. Mm -hmm. so, and those are both long term community members that have backed mm -hmm. all our Kickstarters uh, and have. Right? One of no, one of them is a very long time community member. One of them has is a relatively new community member. I mean years now. Years. And they're they're with us a long time. And we're yeah. very thankful for them. And uh, we've talked to you know both of them spent a lot of time talking to us about those pledges. Yeah. You know, so that we would all be very happy with the result. Like Andrew said, one of the things uh, that you want to do is you want to go to your community before you launch the Kickstarter and validate uh, the rewards make sense. Like, hey guys, uh, if you were going to donate $5,000, would this be something you would be interested in? Because you don't want to offer something people don't want mm -hmm. or not offer the rewards people are really expecting. So mm -hmm. I think we have those backers because we worked with them. We worked with the community early on to figure out what everyone was going to want. One time I saw a, a Kickstarter pledge where it was like, if you pledge $1,000, you get 10 copies of the game. Oh, like, yeah. Like I, I want 10 copies of the game. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we've had, uh, I, I would say we've, we've learned a lot about Kickstarter. In our last Kickstarter, we had a pledge tier, I think it was at 150 or something, where you got the, the addition was a t-shirt. And you went up from 100 to 150 and you got a t-shirt. Or maybe one more copy of the game. Yeah, maybe, a, maybe an extra copy of the game. Yeah. So, you know, we, I think we learned a lot. Every time we do this, we try to learn as much as we can. And so we really changed our reward structure and did a lot more previewing and working with the community this time to make sure and cut out things like that where you're like, why? That just is like, yeah, just not fair to anybody. I mean, I, they're supporting. That's kind of the point. Nobody's looking to give you a dollar on Kickstarter and get a dollar back in rewards. They're looking to give you a dollar and for you to spend 60% of that on the game and give them 
a certain percentage of that back in rewards. So, mm-hmm. but still, I mean, there, yeah, there's a lot of rewards like that where you just want to make sure they feel right and people are going to be happy and excited. One of my favorite rewards is the uh, is it the alpha process where you can go behind the scenes and help develop the game or like, yeah, get feedback. Uh, we're pushing to get to 700 players in the alpha right now. We call it the Savage 700. We're very close. It's definitely the most exciting, uh, one of the coolest rewards. It'll be a big community effort when the game is ready to roll out to alpha later this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we rely on it. It's part of our process uh, to make sure that we make really good games it's like a it's part of our secret sauce yeah it's it definitely is the the secret to us getting these games out at the quality that they're out you know we have we we use steam early access as well uh as a way to prove the game with people that are more interested in kind of the early look at the game but for like star traders frontiers we were in private alpha with our kickstarter backers for nine months nine months before we went to steam early access so that process is really important to us. And we think it's something that's kind of special about our, our studio is that we really draw, bring those people into the process. It's, it's a private alpha and there's no, there's like no hidden, there's nothing really hidden. Like sometimes you'll be in an alpha and you're getting like these very limited sandbox builds and, you know, but we're really, we're sharing the whole game. Some of it's uh, perfect, polished. Some of it, we're not sure it's right, and we really want to talk to alpha backers like, mm-hmm. what's your fun level? What's your feels about this? Uh, we think it's fun. Maybe it's not fun. There were some things in Star Traders that I was sure as the designer were going to be amazing. People were mm-hmm. going to love them. Uh, we got into the alpha, and people were like, ah, Corey, I hate to tell you this, but this is hot garbage. And it needs to die. You need to burn it with fire and go back to the drawing board. I was like, no, you must be missing the point. It's brilliant fun. Let me try and like, pit, let me patch it a little bit and explain it to you. You'll get it. You'll get it. Yeah, a yeah. week later, they're like, dude, there's three of them now. And they're like, dude, we've tried. It's trash. Get rid of it. And so you can go through that alpha process. And it's so important, right, to find out that your ideas are stupid before 10 million people see it or uh, mm-hmm. 10,000 people see it. You know, you show 700 people your stupid idea. You got a little private joke and they all point and laugh, but you didn't embarrass your company or your fans or yourself on Steam. You don't have yeah. the negative reviews. Yeah. You heard it was a dumpster fire from people that were like, man, we love you. This is a dumpster fire. Fix it. And they love you twice as much when you're like, ah, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like Sonic. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. why did yeah. Sonic do so well? I, I, I don't mean, know if it's good, but people I don't know are going to see it because they admitted they made a mistake. And they went and they did the work, and it wasn't like, oh, we're sorry, like, we'll change his face a little bit. They were like, okay, we're real sorry. We're going to go back and re-render the whole movie. Yeah. No, I heard it did really well. I mean, like, yeah. for what it was supposed to be, yeah. Very well, yeah. He was scary <laughs> before they fixed him. He was weird. Yeah, it was weird. I was like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. I mean, it's a video game movie. Like, it already had low potential. <laughs> <laughs> and then you add that, <laughs> that thing, <is> blue. <laughs> blue thing. Yeah, crazy. What would you? What would the day-to-day process be like for like an alpha tester? And like, why should somebody sign up to do that? Well, we get out uh, on our end. We are gonna our organizations to break the alpha into a number of phases. We release the game, 
So uh, through our private alpha distribution, so you'll get an email with a download link. You can sign up for any of your platforms. Uh, we're going to support mobile, uh, Windows, Mac, Linux. So you get your email. We love people to play on multiple platforms. You're going to pull the game down. You're going to boot it up. We're going to have provided you like a little bit of a uh, upfront explanation of where the game is because it's certainly not going to be done in the email. Um, and an invite to the private Discord channel and the private forum. And then we just ask you to play. Um, and of course, in each of the phases, I think for Star Traders, we had about four phases, and mm -hmm. each of them had a different focus where we were like, look, phase one, the UI is pretty bad. And here's some places. If you see us, we took some screenshots. If you see a screen like this, this is a UI that we are, have not finished. So don't complain too much about the UI. If you mm -hmm. see a screen like this, we really think we're almost done. Please tell us like the new features you need. And people were really helpful. And then we just try to roll out uh, the, I mean, at that point in an alpha, one of the things we're doing as a company is that becomes an all consuming focus for us because there are hundreds of people playing and giving feedback every day. And so we're doing daily builds, every other day builds, like somebody will post some, oh, how about, what if there was a filter here that did this and it shows up the next day. And well, this is written, the specific example Corey was talking about with this like dumpster fire, I think people started, the system came online, people started struggling with it. Corey and I argued with the, or like argued our case on the forum for mm -hmm. like a week running that this was awesome and look how cool it is and this is going to be great. And people kept saying, that's ridiculous. Explain it to me one more time. I don't understand. How could you think that was cool? And then about 10 days in, all of a sudden the system disappeared. We released an update and a mea culpa mm -hmm. and all of a sudden everything was better and people can suddenly get, you know, manage their crew in a way that was more fun so you know we just we're we're in like constant motion our thing is that the game is fun when it comes out to alpha we're not giving you a buggy mess so we've already played it hundreds of hours mm -hmm. but it's also not a like we're baking a cake and the cake is like right in the middle of that the gooey center where it, there's a lot of time for it to firm up so we've put it out specifically because it's at a point where we can make good changes to the game and that i think there's a lot you know it, it would be easy to pay this lip service and say like oh we have this cool alpha like we want people to play it uh-huh uh -huh, and just try to like push through and be like here's the game we're done whatever we are really specifically looking for feedback we want to make changes we need the community to help us make those changes we're not just doing this because it sounds cool like we're gonna make the game better over those eight, eight to nine months and it's gonna make the game launch go. I mean, at Star Traders launched, I think for almost 30 days, it had an above a 98% positive rating on Steam. I mean, that mm -hmm. game was, when it came out, it was ready. It had strong systems, there's a lot of room to grow, but the actual core mechanics of that game were like a lot of fun and they'd been fire tested and improved, not just tested, but like vastly improved over the eight monthly alpha. So. And then we don't, uh, a common question we get is about people like, do I have to play the whole time? Yeah, do I have to play every day? Do I have do to I have play to every play day? Do I play at the, can I play at the beginning? Can I play at the end? And we don't care at all. You can play on the first day and give us all your feedback and then stop playing and come back a month. You can play in the last 10 days, like whatever. We have enough people that uh, it's actually really beneficial that everybody plays however they want to because that means on the third month in, a bunch of new people who've never touched it before are finally going to decide to pick it up and play. 
Mm-hmm. And then they're going to give us a totally new, fresh perspective. Mm-hmm. And the people that played on the first day and are still playing are going to have this weird, different perspective. Not weird, but they're going to have a different perspective because they've played through all the changes. And they're like, oh, you don't remember when that stupid thing was in and like mm-hmm. how the menu used to be. And the new players are like, well, yeah, you know, this menu is nice, but it could be better because of X, Y, or Z. So we're really into like, you know, everybody has a free, a welcome come and go as they please and play on as many platforms as they please. But one thing we can promise is you're going to be actively engaged with us every day and see the game get better. Almost continually, continually improve yeah. every day, every other day, there'll be something new and exciting coming out. Plus we're also, not only are we improving the game, but throughout the alpha, we rolled out like 20 to 30 hours of storyline came out during the alpha that, that wasn't there at the beginning. We just kept adding stuff to the game that people could try out and play in different directions so the content sandbox that you could play in blew up dramatically so there's not only like cool new things to try but cool new stories to play um so that i hope that answers the question oh it did yeah and um when is it alpha gonna be released well we hope the end of this year uh the goal is to start it um this like q4 uh this year you know there's some um there's some uncertainty in all game development um but i think that's a pretty reasonable goal we have been working on the game for about a year so it's playable right now we have a lot of art that we need to get done um and we've structured the stretch goals so they won't delay us much uh if at all so one of the things you can definitely get into trouble is like it's kind of like building a house if one of your stretch goals is a basement, you you have to build the basement first. You can't build the house and be like, hey, I'm going to add a basement now. That's not how that works. <laughs> so like, when you lay out your stretch goals, you really got to think like, okay, we want to be in alpha at the end of this year. How are these are these stretch goals going to come out after? Are they going to build in? So we've got a, you know, we've got a little bit of figuring out to do as we figure out what stretch goals we hit, but. We really want people to play this game sooner rather than later, so we're really trying to get it uh, into alpha at the end of this year. Sounds good. Now, did you guys increase developers to meet demands, or is it the same team since the beginning? We've we've ramped up um, throughout on and off through the process. I mean, we work with a lot of different partners, um, and we focus on uh, having key partners that we can work with on different specialties. So we had a composer, uh, our composer, Studio Viking, and his team worked on the original soundtrack of the game, which is done now, except for we may hit some more stretch goals, and then we would be able to go back to Peter and get additional, uh, he'd work on potentially expanding that stretch on the the soundtrack. You know, we've got some... Uh, our art team and their animation team working really closely together. Um, so the team size has grown. I think it's spiked around like 10 to 12 people. We're cur- concurrently working on the game. But as a smaller company, we kind of are like working with a specialist while we need them. And we develop relationships that allow us to go back to them and say, hey, guess what? We got more money through this Kickstarter. We're going to need this for a future expansion pack. So, for example, working with our composer, he's not a staff member. He's not on our team permanently. We worked with him for like three and a half months to get the soundtrack written. And then he goes off and does 
other things. His studio has a lot of stuff that they're doing, and we're coming to come back to him a little bit later this year and get really deep into sound design with him and uh, hopefully expand the soundtrack a bit if we can hit those additional stretch goals. So uh, our team is, I would think, flexed up to about 13 at the max or something like that, but is now uh, there are about eight or nine of us. So yeah, we're, you know, especially right after the Kickstarter is over and we have a final look at all what stretch goals we've hit, um, we're gonna, we have to sit down and have a big planning session as to when are we staffing up more to accommodate that. And that's definitely a lot, you know, the money we're getting on Kickstarter is going straight into this, into the development and into team members. So especially since a lot of the, almost all of the stretch goals we're hitting have some art component, art and animation component. Um, we just hit the Skyrise environment, which is a huge 3D kit of props and environmental art. So that, you know, all of that money is going straight into staffing up more people to work on building out that that new kit so and that's been one of the really fun things about this kickstarter is i think on star traders it was a much smaller team on cyber Knights, we've had these other contributors who are also really excited right mm -hmm. the art team sees skyrise they're like oh this is a cool idea we really want to make this art and so we're all kind of rooting for the stretch goals together the concept artists are excited the modelers excited like Andrew said, our composer is thinking like, hey, I'll maybe get to look at this artwork and write a new soundtrack for it. So it's really fun uh, to be able to do that because you're you're working with these people that are passionate about creating and they're seeing your Kickstarter as an opportunity for them to get to create more stuff. That's awesome. And so I know you guys have to go soon. So I wanted to ask you if you could give a challenge to all the st students listening to this podcast so they can completed afterwards about anything could probably be about marketing a little small challenge for them hmm. we're thinking hold on no you're good <laughs> well i would say that uh a really good challenge is to like look at uh maybe your you know i don't know if they have games or not but look pick a game and look at it and think about writing the different ad formats how would you how would you advertise this in facebook versus reddit and take a look at you know maybe find three say facebook reddit and twitter they all have different media requirements they all have different lengths of text uh and just take a game you like maybe it's a successful kickstarter or it's a game like you know fallout new vegas or whatever but if it was a new game and you looked at those three different platforms, how would you try to advertise? How would you filter the users of those platforms down to the people that would like the game you're trying to advertise? And then maybe if you have other game developers in your cohort or in your class, show them those ads and, and maybe don't use the name. Show, like this is something that we did uh, with some of our ads a while ago, was like, we would look at them and be like, what game are you talking about? Like, what is, you know, oh, this is Fallout New Vegas. Like, I know what you're saying. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and cool. see if you can convey in an ad and an image the, the spirit of these games um, with the different platforms. Because you'll find, like, writing an ad on Twitter versus writing an ad on Reddit is very different. So mm -hmm. I think that's a good exercise. Um, yeah, I like it. Uh, Andrew, what did you, did you think of anything? 
No, yours sounds so good. Okay. Yeah, his is so good. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it was awesome for you guys coming on, talking about the games. Amazing success to, for getting 12 hours funded. Um, applaud you guys. Hope Wish you guys the best. And uh, yeah, and I uh, just want to hand the mic to you guys. And if you want to do any shout outs, just finish off by talking about the game. And thanks for coming on. Well, we want to give a big shout out to all of our backers. We're over, uh, I think, about 3,200 backers. Huge community support, and we want to thank everybody who's pledged from the $1 all the way up to the $5,000. It's a it's a team effort, and we know those people are pulling for us. So I uh, want to first thank all of them and then encourage everybody to share the project, take a look at it, you know, help us uh, hit those next stretch goals, keep the, keep the project going. So Cyber Knights Flashpoint on Kickstarter for another eight days. Yeah, and if you ever wanted to get you know, on the inside of a studio's Discord server and see uh, a lot of buggy Unity builds, um, join the Alpha team because we're going to and we're gonna be putting on a clinic for a couple of months of how to uh, make dumpster fires go away as your users tell you you're an idiot. So, uh, <laughs> a blast. Yeah, we're going to we're really excited. And I think the main thing is to say thank you to you guys and thank you to everyone that's checking out the campaign. Um, everybody who's interested in talking to us, we really appreciate it. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. You can find all GameDev.TV courses at courses.gamedev.tv slash courses or in the show notes with a 10% discount. Get started with your game development journey today.